Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. As I was introducing last Sunday, and some of you weren't there, so just to recap, the, the messages for July are called, How Do We Live? What's the Life in the Spirit? Uh, and um, I'm going to kind of follow that on a little bit, but just to kind of summarise what we were looking at last Sunday, is that God has given you and me two incredible gifts. And they're free. All we need to do is to receive those gifts. The first one is Jesus. How many of you have ever heard of Jesus before? Jesus, the one who comes to save. The one who comes to set free. The one who came to pay the price. The Bible says that Jesus became our ransom. Hallelujah. And then the second gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God. Uh, the, the Spirit who is God. I think that's amazing. And last week we were kind of responding to the message of, yeah, I want to receive this gift of Jesus and I want to receive afresh the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that offer is still available today. Amen. Aren't you thankful? Amen. I'm very thankful. So uh, what's going to come up behind me is, is, is just a phrase or a statement that a gentleman a few, few years ago called William Booth said. Now, William Booth, uh, he was a great man. He loved God. He loved Jesus. But there was something that happened in his heart. He was walking through some of the smaller streets of London and he saw the condition of people and he saw the desperation of people and he saw that people were living without knowing God's best. And through really the challenge that the Holy Spirit put into his heart, he began an organisation called the Salvation Army. How many of you heard of the Salvation Army? Now the Salvation Army when it was launched through him and his daughter and his wife, wasn't like it appears now. Uh, the whole thrust of the Salvation Army was to bring people into a real experience of who Jesus was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were speaking and speaking to thousands, tens of thousands of people, and many people were receiving the gift of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were doing more than just playing brass instruments outside shops at Christmas. Now that's where it is at now, but this is where it started. And he said this, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Spirit or Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell. Now this, this guy knew a thing or two. And just as I was just kind of thinking and praying about, okay, what is this life in the Spirit about? It's really about this. It's, I don't know about you, but I don't come on a Sunday just to go through a religious act. We put the chairs out in a, in, in a religious way or we set everything up. in a, No, no, without the presence of God, there is no relationship with God. There's just relationship with a something, not a someone. And, and I just want to encourage you, and I know some of you, maybe many of you, maybe all of you have given your lives to Jesus but today, Jesus wants to give something back to us. And that's part of it. What can happen in, in a slide of, of our own experience of God is we can very easily become religious. It's easy. Most of us here, including me, we have to deal with religion. We always do things in the same way. Then we do it again in the same way. Then we think it's the only way that we can do it. That's called religion. Maybe we only pray in a certain way. 
and maybe it's all we know and all we're used to and then sometimes we think, well, that's the only way you can pray and that becomes religion. Maybe we just worship or sing to God or just have a CD on in the, in the car or whatever and it's great unless we start to think, well, that's the only way that I can do it and that becomes religion. Well, Jesus didn't come and die to give us religion. He came to give us relationship. And relationship, like a natural relationship, grows and it develops and it matures. And today, the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to help set us free of some things. Now, I I can say that any Sunday, to be honest, because I know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But I also know that before the Spirit of the Lord came, Jesus came. So Jesus came to set you and me free. Then the Holy Spirit came to help us live in freedom. Just checking the tenses there. Okay, there's a pause there. So as most of you know, we have a Bible reading program here in in Kingdom Faith and we have it in the Worthy Congregation and Horsham and Crawley and it will be in Burgess Hill. Why do we use the Bible? Because we believe it is the Spirit-inspired thinking of God written on a piece of paper so that simple people like you and me can understand God. I think that is amazing. The Bible can make the, the, the most stupid people look smart. It's true. The Bible can make the poorest people look rich. It can make the slowest people look speedy. It can make the most don't know, weak people look really strong because the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's God's thoughts written down so we can understand what God thinks. I think God's pretty smart, don't you? Just certain a person next to you and say, I wish I was as smart as God. I I do as well. I wish I was as smart as God. Hallelujah. But this Bible reading helps if we go, if we take the word of God, the Bible, and if we kind of approach it with a sense of, right, today, God, speak to me. How many of you know that that's really easy? So maybe for some of us, the next step on our journey is, God, when I read the Bible, speak to me. That's fine, because that's what Jesus enabled. He said, my sheep will hear my voice. So every time I open my Bible and say, God, please speak to me, Jesus begins to do something. But that's only half the journey. The next half is, when you speak to me, help me to do what you're saying then that's when I need the Holy Spirit to help me to do what Jesus is saying. And that's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. He said, when I go to be with the Father, when I go back to be in heaven, I'm going to send somebody else who is going to remind you of everything that I've said, remind you of everything that I've done, and enable you to do even more. That's why we must have Jesus first, then we must have the Holy Spirit afterwards. Does anybody agree, apart from Blake and I? Our theology has to be right. Because theology, if it's wrong, will steal religion. And what will happen is, is that we'll think, as long as we read the Bible, we're all right. No. To be honest, I'd much sooner read it less and do more of it. Can I say that? I'd much sooner you, you went off and read less but did more. Because it's not the bit that we read that saves us, it's the bit that we do because of the bit that we've read. Thank you, I'm getting a few nods. I've not seen you before, actually I have, but you're, you're nodding, you can come back again, I like you. 
Your name's Angela, for those listening on the tape. Uh, Angela, you're welcome. It's nice to see you. You've got a nice colour of red. That's amazing. But the Bible reading that we're looking at at the moment, it, it's kind of got to set it up. You might think, well, you've organised it. Well, kind of, before God. Because we prayed about the Bible reading, and this, this whole week is about the book of Acts. Next week is about the book of Acts, and the week after is. In fact, all this month is about the book of Acts. But why is that? Because I believe God wants to challenge me and challenge you and challenge us through the Bible, by the Spirit of God, that church is exciting. Church is more than just black chairs in a row. Chairs is more than I like the music or I don't like the music. (coughs) My wife's told me not to raise my arm, so I'm trying not to. Um, I should have brought a different shirt. I (laughs) apologise. Now she's hiding behind the fan. Bless Sorry, I, I am a man under authority, as we all are. Hallelujah. <laughs> but church is supposed to be a place where there is a spiritual buzz. Where there is a spiritual buzz. Not just in terms of what we do, but actually how we are together. And I love one of the commentaries about the book of Acts was, in the book of Acts, the book of Acts is really called the book of Acts because it's not the book of reacts. It's not the book that shows people how they dealt with all the rubbish that was going on in the world. No, this is the activity of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, through relationship with Jesus, to enforce God's kingdom on a broken world. That's why it's called the book of Acts, not the book of Reacts. And one of the things which I want you to get right at the beginning is when I received Jesus, it's because he acted, he didn't react. Jesus didn't look at you and look at me and feel sorry for us. He had a plan. And his plan was not around emotion. His plan was not around desperation. His plan was deliberate. I know the plans I have for you, God said. A plan to prosper you and never to harm you. So Jesus' plan for you was very deliberate. It was very active. It was not reactive. Jesus knew we were going to muck it up. He knew we were going to get it wrong. He knew we were going to get mistakes. But his activity superseded all of those things. Aren't you pleased? Jesus knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. So Jesus came as an act. Then he deliberately went to the cross. He deliberately gave up his life. We looked at this last week. And today, in book of Acts, book, uh, chapter 1 and 2, he deliberately gave his spirit. He didn't do it by accident. He did it because he, he intended for you and for me to live in the power of God. Woohoo! He did it on purpose. Now, I'll just... Okay, my own philosophy on the power of God, you might not agree with it, that's fine, we can, we can still love each other. Is the power of God is like nuclear fission. Because when you see a demonstration of the power of God, and there's a really famous one in the old part of the Bible, in 1 Kings, which is basically the story of how God raised up kings around nations, and they did this and they did that. But there's one occurrence where this guy called Elijah, whose, whose name means Yahweh, is the real God. He, he went out to a mountain and said, you're going to have to make a decision today, guys. Are you going to believe in the God that I believe in, or these other ones that you're following? You might remember the story. It's on a place called Carmel. That's not a bar of chocolate. It's, it's a mountain. Hallelujah. And he said, right, I'm going to do something. I'm going to cut up some, some bullocks, 
and he cut the bullocks up, which is animal. Then he dug a big pit and he filled it up with water and then he put loads of stones around it. And that was the very first barbecue in the whole Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's into barbecues. Thank you, Jesus. See, Connie's nodding. He agrees with me. It's that God is into barbecues, but he was making a statement. And, and, and these guys down here were saying, you know, don't trust him, don't trust him, believe in us, believe in us. And Elijah just stood before the Lord and said, God, God, just show that you're real, show that you are who you say you are. And boom! Something came down from heaven and consumed the bullock, consumed the stones, consumed the water. What does that? Only nuclear does that. Come on, but it, only nuclear does that. This power that God wants you and I to have is nuclear. Everything it touches, it changes. It's endless, relentless. It is in of itself powerful. God wants you and I to have it. Oh, okay, you don't have to, but God wants you and I to have it. So all day, all night, when things are going well, when things are not going well, this this buzz is... This thing called the Holy Spirit, if I can call him a thing, which is really rude, he's just on it all the time. He's not solar powered, he's not wind generated, he's not tidal, which never work in this country. (laughs) No, he is God. He's relentless in how he loves you. He's relentless in how he believes in you. He's relentless in how he wants to strengthen you. He's relentless in how he wants to use you. But the Holy Spirit is relentless. And I'm just going to take, I, I kind of spoke a little bit at one of our keynotes last week on this, but it's so much running in me like this. It's like, okay, I'm just going to let this out. So if you don't like it, I really apologise, but I think you're going to like it. Who said good? Thank you. Margaret, Margaret. We had a nice tea at Margaret's house the other day. Recommend their hospitality. It's amazing. In 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, some of these scriptures are going to come up on the screen because Josh is back with his haircut. It's amazing. I'm going to read it out as well from the NIV. 1 Samuel chapter 30. This is cutting through one of the stories of probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest king that Israel had called King David. Have you heard of David? All right. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raised the Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it. Verse 2, and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Can I suggest to you that in our culture, in our language today, David represent God's best, God's purpose, and God was going to invest everything he was and is into David, and he wants to do the same with you. You're like a David. You are like a present-day David where you represent God's purpose and God's plan and God's chosen. David almost got missed out. He was the smallest of seven, and his dad even forgot he was there. When Samuel came and said, God sent me to come and anoint one of your men, is it the first one? No, it's not the first one. Second one, third one. You got any more guys? And it said, David's dad had to think about it. Oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's the youngest one out in the field. He's looking after what he's supposed to look after. Maybe it's him. Can I just suggest to you that God knows where you're at. He knows sometimes we feel left out. Sometimes we feel the smallest of the tribe or the weakest of the litter. Sometimes we feel like the runt of the pack. But God still has chosen you. 
God is deliberate in who he chooses. He chooses you because he's chosen to choose you. Not because he feels sorry for you, but because he's got a plan and a purpose for you. So this was this David. But when David came back, all of his past and all of his potential future had been stolen by the enemy. Wives, resources, family, all of his heritage, all of his destiny had been stolen by the enemy. Not killed, but stolen. And sometimes it can feel like that. Maybe I've given my life to God, maybe I haven't yet. And it just feels like every time I try and do something right, the enemy just comes in and steals. Well, that's what he does. That's all he does. Maybe I just felt I had a great time this week, or I had a great conference, or I was at this, and God said that, and God said this, and God said that, and I was feeling really great. But then when I look around my life, it looks like my whole family is deserting me. And where's the blessing in that? And sometimes it's like that, isn't it? Or is that just me? Sorry, I've raised my arms. Sometimes it's like that. Hallelujah. Verse 3. When David and his men came to Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Sometimes it just looks like life isn't fair. Let me even know what I'm talking about. It's just, what is going on here? I was expecting that, and I've got this. I was expecting that, and this happened instead. Was that just me? Come on, you honest people. Something happened in David's heart, verse 4. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. That reminds me a little bit. When Jesus went to the cross for me, he wept aloud. And he gave up his strength for me and for you. So David wept aloud. He was so moved in his heart. He was so desperate. He was so anxious. It was like, what is happening? Where's it gone? Everybody I love, everything I love, everything that I've invested in, everything that I've prayed for or believed for, everything has gone. At that time, there were just two things left, David and his mates. And then that even changed. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. This is harsh. This is... This is like David's just... David, you're now on your own. We thought you were great. We believed in you. We followed you. But look at the mess you've led us into. Man, we loved you, but now we're going to stone you. People are very fickle. Have you noticed that? Is that sometimes if 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 you act in a certain way and do a certain thing, people will be your greatest champion. And then you muck up. You, You say something that you regret. You do something which you wish you hadn't. And it's like people just want to chuck stuff at you. Come on, let's try. This is a real message for today. But this is good news because we're going to get to the end of this in a minute. Hallelujah. <laughs> Why? Because I believe David's heart, the Bible says that God searched the whole of the world. I don't know what the population of the world was then. I know what it is now, 70 billion. It wasn't that then. God searched the whole of the world, it says, to find one person who had a heart after God. And it was David. 
I believe God searched the whole of your world to find you. I believe God investigated every past, present and future thing that you're ever going to do and still chose you and said, I'm going to have you for mine. I believe God deliberately went through time and space and picked you out from a crowd and said, yeah, I'll, I'll have you. Some of you need to know that. Because maybe your world hasn't picked you. Maybe your world's left you on the shelf. Maybe your world has ignored you. Maybe your world has just said, shave off, I'm going somewhere else. But God says to you, I'm picking you. That's fantastic music. It's God says, I'm picking you, I'm choosing you, I'm phoning you right now, Monica, to tell you I love you. Hallelujah. Woo, she got it. God says, no, I'm picking you. Even his mates, even the people that were around him were bitter. They had all of the issues, but they didn't know how to deal with it. Verse, the end of verse 6 gives us a clue. But David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. He didn't blame everybody. He didn't have a go at the... The Amalekites, because that's what they did. He didn't have a go at his wives, and he didn't have a go at his children. He didn't have a go at his mates. He didn't have a go at anybody. He just said, I'm going to strengthen myself in my God. Why? How? Because a couple of chapters earlier, he'd learned that from another guy called Jonathan. And if you read your story, you'll get it. David was desolate. He was going to... King, the king that that day saw wanting to kill him, he was going to use him as a doormat. Hallelujah. And it says, Jonathan encouraged him in the Lord. Can I just suggest to you, if you don't know God today, you, you just give your life to Jesus. Because he will be the strength in your disaster. He will be the refuge in your crisis. He will be your help in terrible, terrible times of need, if that's what you're going through. If you do know Jesus, then strengthen yourself in him today. Strengthen yourself in him. Not in old church or the worship. Strengthen yourself in Jesus. Then verse 7. David said to Abiathar, the priest of the son of Amalek, bring me the ephod. This is the message. I, I believe the Holy Spirit, Jesus, wants you to respond to everything. Bring me the ephod. What does it mean? It means I'm going to pursue God. I'm not going to go out, I'm going to go up first. I'm not going to try and overtake my enemies. I'm going to be overtaken by God's presence. And when I get overtaken by God's presence, the Spirit of God is going to flow through me in a fresh way and that will overtake my enemies. Because I'm going to let my spirit arise. I'm going to pray like I've never prayed. I'm going to worship like I've never worshipped. I'm going to serve like I've never served. I'm going to give to God like I've never given God. Because the only way is up. (laughs) David did that. When he said, bring me the ephod, what does that mean? I'm going to start becoming the priest for my family. I'm starting to become the prayer warrior for my family. I'm going to start becoming the worship leader for my workplace. I am going to take responsibility of who I am in God but I need God's help. Are you still with me here? Because I've been running with this message for weeks. Why? I can't remember how many people I've seen healed and set free over the last weeks. Loads. But in the middle of it, in my own family, sickness is trying to come and bang on the door. Well, it's not having my family. Because my spirit is arising, saying, yeah, you've come that far and that's far enough. Goodbye. Shut the door behind you. 
Sorry, I showed an armpit. <laughs> David inquired of the Lord. Now listen to this, because I just love this, and I believe you'll love this. David pursued through the crisis, through the moans, through the doubts, through the fears, through the media. Will I make it? What? I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to let my spirit arise. I'm going to put my mind on things above with the help of God. And he said this. Just follow me. David asked the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? One question. Will I overtake them? Two questions. Can we all agree that there's two questions? Right, look at the answer. Pursue them, you will overtake them and succeed. God always does more than we ask or imagine. We might ask two questions, but it'll give you three answers. Come on, get this. The Spirit of God will always do more than enough. Because Jesus said, you pray and I will do more than you ask and more than you imagine for my glory. Not David's glory. David just asked two questions. God gave him three answers. But that wasn't the tipping point. The tipping point was David did that. Because <laughs> he could have gone around saying, guys, it's going to be all right. Uh, if we pursue them, we will overtake them. And if we pursue them, we will succeed. That is not what God said. God didn't say, if you don't mind pursuing them, then I'll make sure you overtake No, he said, pursue them. And this is where we need the Spirit of God. This is where we need the life that God has provided for us. The inquiry of the Lord was the Jesus bit. Through Jesus, I can now ask God stuff. The Bible says, through Jesus, he's now made a way between me and God and God and me. Yeah, I can now ask God. I can be quiet, inquire of God and I know God will hear me. But I need more than that. I need more to, uh, knowing that God just hears me. I need to know that God's going to enable me. Are you still with me here? Is this making some sense to somebody? Cool. So let me get to verse 17. <laughs> David fought from dusk until the evening of the next day. Check him out. This is supernatural ability. This is strength beyond humanity. This is wisdom beyond just being smart. David fought for a day. And then another. This is the presence of God. Why? Because he did what God said. He began to pursue them. And it says he overtook them. And can I just challenge all of us in the room? If we, uh, if we arise, say, God, I am who you say I am. I have what you say I have. And I can do what you say I can do. And I'm going to begin to do it. Something's going to change, not just in you, but out of you. Things are going to get pursued that have no right to be investing or inflicting stuff on your family. You're going to pursue them. Why? Because first you're pursuing God. Jesus deliberately said, I am your help in time of need. Look to the hills in time of trouble. Why? He doesn't want you to look to the hills. He wants you to look at him in the hills. The hills are alive with the sound of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a song there probably. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. <laughs> Verse 18, and this is, I think, part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we hear God, God, what do I do? What do I do? And God tells us and we do it. David recovered everything. Say David recovered everything. David recovered, David recovered everything. 
Everything that Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Verse 19, nothing was missing. Say, nothing is missing. And nothing was lacking. When we use Jesus to access God, God, what should I do? What should I say? God will tell you. And I need your spirit, God, to help me do this. And when we do that, you'll end up with nothing missing, nothing lacking. The Bible puts it this way. Every, every task, that's a project, that's a deliberate act, that's a planned strategy that the enemy has against you. Every one of those, God will conquer. Because God has conquered it. Every task, whether it's toothache, backache, cancer ache, shame ache, guilt ache, whatever it is, he, God, has set an assignment against those. It's called Jesus. And he sends the Holy Spirit to allow us to live in that assignment. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. David brought everything back, it says at the end of verse 19. He took all of the flocks and herds and his men, drove them ahead of all of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. Now let's just bring it up to the book of Acts. We've got six minutes to do this. If you start to travel through, and hopefully some of you have through Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, you'll find the Holy Spirit doing exactly the same thing. You'll find people like you and me just doing their business in whatever way they did. Suddenly, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they just do things beyond their own strength, beyond their own ability, beyond their own wisdom. They're they're setting people free that have been unable to walk for over 30 years with no money, just with faith in Jesus. They get caught in prison. And it says they took note that these were just ordinary people, but they'd been with Jesus. I'll tell you what, that's powerful. When you learn to take the ephod, Jesus, I thank you for access to God. Jesus, I thank you that you are the way may open for me. Jesus, I thank you that I can engage in your truth and I can receive from your life right now. And Holy Spirit, help me to live. When we pursue God like that, you become extraordinary. Your heritage doesn't stop you being who God has made you, but it can stop you living like it. Come on. Then we go through and we find in supernatural relationships, everything was in common. Everybody shared what they had. Only the, sup- only the Holy Spirit can a- enable us to live like that. This is not living in a commune somewhere. This is living in a kingdom community here. You don't have to go off there and sell everything and give it to the poor. No, P- blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, you're not poor in spirit unless you don't know God. You're rich in spirit, in which case give some away. It all went quiet. <laughs> then we find in Acts 6, there was a bit of an issue with food distribution. Some of the Greek, you know, Greek thinking people that are giving their lives to Jesus like, we well, know, sort these out, sort these out. And they did sort it out and suddenly released a whole new move of the word of God. And it says even many priests came to the knowledge of Jesus. Why? Because, can I just suggest before we pray, is that your greatest enemies right now, whether you see them as people or things, I don't care, God can turn those around and they can be your greatest allies in the future. Come on. The people that have given you the hardest time, giving you the biggest opposition, with the grace of God, God can turn them around so they become your greatest ally. I believe we're in a season as church where we're having new alliances. I believe as Christians, individuals, we are finding new alliances. People who are hungry to take the ephod 
and pursue God. There, not everybody wants to do that. A lot of people just want what God does. But I want who God is. A lot of people just want what the hand of God. No, I want the face of God. Do you understand that? And as kingdom faith, we're here to pursue the, the face and the hand. If you don't like that, please go and find somewhere where you will. Because God will bless you and he'll love you, but he might not answer three, two, two questions with three answers. But he will give you something. But there's a whole population of people in this region that are getting battered, beaten, roughed up. Their lives have been too shortly taken because they don't know God at all. So even if you can't think of a reason for you, think about some of these guys, people that you work with, people that you live near, people that maybe you're married to or want to be, people that you're parenting or parented by. You will know people that need to know Jesus. You don't know anybody that doesn't need to know Jesus. You don't. You don't know anybody. Because everybody needs to know Jesus. All I'm saying is we must have the Holy Spirit. We must yield, pursue, pursue. Jesus, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, what do you want to do right now? And then help me to do it. We've got to tip the balance of Jesus, help me, to them being the help. We've got to tip the balance from Jesus giving the answer to them being the answer. And that's what life in the Spirit is about. Upstairs, a couple of, a couple of thousand years ago now, 120, 130 men, women, all kinds of people huddled together sorting out their issues, sorting out their theology, sorting out their relationships. Jesus says, don't, don't leave there until I've given you the gift. They stayed there. They fought it out. What's it going to mean? I don't know. Who's going to be in charge? I don't know. Let's pursue God. Let's take the ephod. Let's take the ephod and pursue God. God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. Boom! <coughs> Suddenly, there was a sound. Ooh, like wind blowing. And it looked like fire come on everybody's head. And suddenly they realised, this is it. And the amazing thing about this, and I love it, is in Acts 2 it says, they all fell downstairs and Peter, it said, stood up. Well, I've been in some meetings with the Holy Spirit where, man, you can't do that. Because there's the pressing of God. And there's the presence of God is so strong. It's not heavy, it's weighty. You just can't get up. Why did Peter get up? Because God had given him a message. So God enabled the messenger to get up. And it says he got up and he spoke. And he didn't speak like a fisherman. Oh, the tide's right. Which way's the wind blowing? Which place? He didn't talk about that. He gave a whole theologically correct Old Testament, New Testament view of who Jesus was. And 3,000 people came to the knowledge of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Come on. Let's all stand up. We might continue this message on another week. I have no idea. But what I want to do is give us opportunity to respond. Because this is a response month. You, you may be really thrilled by what God is doing in your life and through your life right now. You might just think it's kind of flatlined a bit or it's maybe it's calm. Well, where the Holy Spirit is, there's always wind. It's windy. In fact, the Bible says men and women who are led by the Spirit are blown here and there and they don't know where they're going. That, that's freedom. It doesn't mean that we're random and we're just going around random things because the Holy Spirit will only lead you where the Word says you need to be. So if you're thinking, oh, well, I'll, I'll just float around like some cloud, then you need, to, you, need to, you need to pin your cloud into the Word of God a little bit more. 
Or maybe you are just stuck at being a cloud and when the wind blows, it's like, I'm staying here. Maybe you just need to yield a bit more to the Holy Spirit. I have no idea. But just let's close our eyes just for a moment. But just make a decision in your own heart. A, do you want to take the ephod? Do you want to take some personal responsibility for the life of the Holy Spirit that is at work in you? Don't start blaming everybody else. Don't blame your age or your family or your bank balance or blame Brexit. Don't blame anybody. God doesn't blame you. He just says, come up higher. He just says, seek me with all your heart and you'll find me. He doesn't say, well, it's your own fault. He says, it was your fault, but I've sorted it. So make a decision in your own heart. Yeah, I want to take that ephod. I want to be the person responsible for the spirituality in my own life. And I'm going to work with the Holy Spirit. I must work with the Holy Spirit. I must work with the Word. But I want to stoke the fire in my heart. Or maybe you're just at a place where actually, yeah, I've got people that are doing this and they're doing that. And I'm going to pray for them in a minute. I'm going to pray for them that they get rescued. Because most of them don't even know what they're doing. If they don't know God, they have no idea what they're doing. Maybe in the workplace, maybe at home, maybe at the schools, maybe at the colleges. People just do stuff. Well, come on, let's respond spiritually. Jesus, have mercy on them. Jesus, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. If you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got nuclear power in you. I'll tell you what, it means that you shine at night time. Hallelujah. You glow in the dark. Thank you, Jesus. You are the light of the world. You are the blessing sent by God to a lost and dying world. You are God's rescue mission. Like these, these guys being moved around from the cave, you are on a rescue mission. Maybe it's not easy, maybe it's difficult, maybe it's going to take a bit of time, but God has said, no, I'm going to rescue through you because I've rescued you. Father, I want to thank you right now for every household represented here and those that are connected with this congregation. I thank you that you're going to enable all of them to seek your face in a new way. I thank you for the grace to come upon them to take the ephod and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, speak through me. Here I am, Lord, heal through me. Here I am, Lord, do a miracle through me. I'm not waiting for the crowd. I'm going to make a crowd for your glory, God. And I refuse to Just look at what the enemy's trying to do and listen to what the enemy's trying to do. No, my good news comes from Jesus, the author of life. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you right now, and you can do this in your own life, in your own place, in your own chair right now. Just invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need your enabling. I need your comfort and I need your counselling. One of the great words for the Holy Spirit is paraclete. It has kind of two meanings. One is the Holy Spirit who comes and gives me a big kiss. Mm, I love you. But the other side of it is I'm also the one who comes to war on your behalf. I am your advocate. I will come and argue your case for you. So it's good to have the Holy Spirit come and say, I love you, it's all right. But he's also come and saying, right, that's enough. Arise, come on. I'm for you, not against you. Hallelujah. I'm giving you gifts. I'm giving you weapons that have power. I am the Holy Spirit. It will help you go through the enemy lines. Push through what is stopping you. Break out of what is holding you down. I am the same Spirit. Hallelujah. So Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you just 
touch every life here, every life that's listening to the message after this. Holy Spirit, come upon our lives. According to your word, your word says your Holy Spirit is coming upon all flesh, men, women, free, slave. And I thank you right now for your Holy Spirit coming upon people, helping us to become the ephod carrier, the prayer, the worshipper, the witness of Jesus. And I thank you and I praise you and I give you all the glory. Come on, let's give him some praise, shall we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.